0: So in the podcast I linked below, um, this guy, the guy that's being interviewed on Stefan Lavera's podcast, I forgot his name. His last name is McCook. I think his first name is ha- Haas. But he says this is not investment advice, right? Not investment advice the very beginning of this podcast interview. And then, you know, not even, I mean, 17 minutes in or whatever to this interview, which is less than that because Stefan Lavera's got a pump all his, um, the, the people that basically pay for his show, right, to exist, is all these Bitcoin companies that he promotes in the first five, 10 minutes of the show. But so in the first 10 minutes of this guy chatting, he basically says this is an investment advice, but then he, he says that he promises if you dollar cost average and buy Bitcoin um, just a little bit every, every day or however however often he's doing this dollar cost averaging approach, he guarantees that you will make money. Um and the Bitcoiners, they're all about showing, you know, this dollar cost averaging approach because uh what's been disproved now is that um every four years of this halving cycle that the Bitcoin goes through, where it's very Ponzi-like, you know, where the reward is cut in half. Um you know, it used to be the case where Bitcoin would they have these so called cycles, and I don't believe this nonsense, but Bitcoiners believe in this four year cycle where because of the happening, it's supposed to continue to go up in price. Basically, they think that Bitcoin should be doubling in price because the the new Bitcoin coming coming out every year is, is halved. Not halved, sorry, not every year, but every four year cycle, the new amount the new reward of Bitcoin coming in to the market is halved. So these people believe in this Bitcoin and they've been disproved because this last cycle, Bitcoin, uh, right, went down to below 20K, which was the previous cycle's high or about that, maybe 19,000 something. Uh, So they've been disproved, right? Bitcoin's been discredited because now Bitcoin has dropped below the previous cycle's high from 2017. And this was actually five years ago, not four years ago. So now they're saying now I, I see tweets coming out that says, well, if you dollar cost average your Bitcoin, if you didn't just buy the top of Bitcoin in 2017. If you dollar cost average over this four years, you would be uh, you'd be winning. Right. You 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 wouldn't be at the same place uh, you were four, four or five years ago you would actually have made some money on paper, right? Because they never want to sell. So they never really make any money. They just pretend like they make money um, because of their paper profits. But none of those paper profits would exist if everybody who had a gain, quote-unquote gain, paper gain, actually realized this gain by selling. So virtually none of these hodlers can ever make any money, even if the price, you know, the current spot price is above the price uh, that they paid, supposedly, because if they all rush for the exits, none of these stupid hodlers would be able to actually realize that price, right? So this whole idea that the Bitcoin market cap is such and such, right? You just you multiply the number of Bitcoins out there by the current spot price is some ridiculous number that makes absolutely no sense. And uh, just because the spot price is, you know, where you, you can look it up on Coinbase or wherever, exchange your... You're comfortable with doesn't mean that a lot of Bitcoiners are going to be able to realize that price. Unlike a stock, right? Unlike a stock that actually represents ownership in a real business that has some value that could have a buyout, where basically all the shares have to be bought out at some price, uh, it's very different with Bitcoin. But th- this 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 idea of dollar cost averaging is it good? Is it a good strategy? You know, it's a, it's definitely an investment strategy. Can we at least agree (laughs) that it's a type of investment strategy? Uh, So when people talk about Bitcoin, they're talking about investing money, right? They're talking about investing real money. This isn't, um, this isn't some game. So let's just at least be clear with that. And, you know, I think that Bitcoin is a Ponzi-like scheme. And I don't think you can really quote-unquote invest in Bitcoin, right? you can gamble on Bitcoin, but it's not something you can invest in for any kind of real return. You're basically just speculating on the price going up. Now, in a way, people compare this to gold where you're speculating on gold, and that argument is somewhat related since uh, gold also doesn't throw off any cash flows. but it's a real commodity, unlike Bitcoin. Bitcoin's a fake commodity. It's not a commodity at all because it's not useful. There's no real demand uh, for Bitcoin other than speculation and these wild dreams of the Bitcoiners who think it's going to be money one day. But again, these are just dreams, a speculation. I call it a fantasy. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So gold has like consuming, consuming demand. Gold has real utility in industry. Um, so there's a difference between gold and Bitcoin. Bitcoin's created out of thin air. Gold is of nature, right? It exists of nature. They are not alike any bit. <laughs> but is this dollar co- cost averaging? Is this really smart? I mean, number one, you got to look at all these companies that are pushing this. You know, like a Swan Bitcoin. And I've hated this company from the beginning uh, when they were just a. They before they were Swan, they were some company called that would basically gift your friend Bitcoin, and like force you to hodl. So, you know, this guy who runs this Swan, uh, Swan company, you know, and Stefan Levera, he, he's in on it, right? They got all these like hardcore Bitcoiners in on the Swan company. But this guy, it was it was before it was Swan, it was a gift company. Basically, you give the gift of Bitcoin. <laughs> to a friend and they force you to huddle it so they 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 make you keep it on their centralized platform um and of course they had crazy markups <laughs> fees right to, to buy this stuff and you were forcing your the gift on someone in a way that they couldn't get out of bitcoin for like at least two years so i want to say i was aware and i forgot what it was called it might have been called swan it might have been called something else but um, I looked at the markups of this stuff, and it was insane. Like you, you could buy like as little as five dollars in Bitcoin for for somebody as a gift, and you they would force them to hodl. They'd say, "Okay, we're gonna force them to hold the Bitcoin." <laughs> I mean, what kind of gift is that? You're forcing someone into a Roche Motel, right? And the idea of that being, well, you want to make sure your friend doesn't just sell Bitcoin. You want to make sure your friend uh, holds the Bitcoin like a true hodler would, and then Swan. Or whatever this company was called came out with this education you know series where they were gonna gonna teach the friends you know teach the new hodlers how to how to buy bitcoin what bitcoin was so they wouldn't get into um other other shit coins or or you know they they really didn't want them to sell the bitcoin right they wanted them to just like hodl the bitcoin with swan and swan is of course i guess they're a custodial way to buy bitcoin but what are their markups? I haven't even looked at the product now. But they obviously shifted from, hey, you can gift your friend Bitcoin and force them to HODL to a, you know, uh, a buy Bitcoin platform. <laughs> but you, you have to realize that these, this company, either, you know, this core Eclipse scene guy, I think I've heard that he like was a shit coiner at one point. You know, it's kind of funny now. He, he shits on all the shit coiners, but I think that's how he made his money. I think that's how this guy got into crypto was selling some scam coin and now he's, you know, so you can be a shit coiner, you know, watching this Twitter debate with Nick Carter and, you know, all these hodlers out there, uh, Bitcoin maxi types. And it's really funny because a lot of these hardcore Bitcoiners, like this Corey guy who runs Swan says, yeah, I was a shit coiner one time, but I've repented, right? I've, 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 I've come around, I've come clean. So, so does that mean anyone can shit coin and then they can just apologize, sort of like going to confession if you're a Catholic. And then, you know, you can get to heaven or you can you can become a Bitcoin maxi. So in my opinion, go shitcoin, go start your own crypto, get rich, and then just say, yeah, I've come to the light. Uh, you know, but did Corey Clipson or any of these other, you know, reformed, quote unquote, Bitcoin maxis now, do they actually give money back to the people that they shitcoin too? Like, did this guy actually give the money back to the people he stole from when he had a shitcoin? I doubt it, right? He used this money to funnel into his new company called Swan. The problem with dollar cost averaging, especially with, you know, these crypto, sorry, Bitcoin companies like Swan or River, right? Whoever you're getting your Bitcoin from, uh, brokers, they're probably marking up this Bitcoin. Like, are, are they not? I mean, how are they making their money? they have to be marking it up. So while you're, you know, putting it on all autopilot, right? Putting your, your paycheck, you know, 10% or whatever you're doing into Bitcoin. Um. Well, how much are they taking? Like, what price are they giving you Bitcoin? Is it a lot? I would imagine they're taking some kind of fee or they're doing like, they'd have to do something to make money. I don't know if they've even raised money. Who knows? I'm speculating, but Back in the day when they first launched their gift product, they were definitely marking up the Bitcoin product. And even if they say there's no fees, even like a strike, strike claims that you can buy Bitcoin for free. Maybe they've raised enough money where they're just, you know, taking a loss on that. But it's it just, I doubt it, right? Because all these Bitcoin exchanges have different spot prices all the time. So they can very easily get away with overcharging you for that Bitcoin. So are they very transparent about what price they buy it at and then how much they mark it up to sell you? Like, I wanna know what is their what is their average price? You know, is Swan dollar cost averaging two for its clients? Or are they, what kind of deal are they getting to buy Bitcoin? And do they even prove to you that they even have the Bitcoin, right? Because they're a custodian, I think. So they want to keep it on their platform. How do you know they even have the Bitcoin they say they're buying for you? So there's lots of questions with that business. Um, But why would you dollar cost average and just blindly put your paycheck into it? That seems like the stupidest idea ever. And they say, well, you don't ever know what Bitcoin's price is going to do. Well, I don't know. But you can clearly see like tops forming. I mean, was it any wonder that Bitcoin was in a little bubble whenever uh they were doing Super Bowl commercials? I mean, I guess it's hard to know when the top where the top is, but you can pretty well tell you're not at a bottom when that's happening uh you can pretty well see the signs when the Fed is saying they're going to raise interest rates that bitcoin's going to collapse I mean most people saw that a mile away. And these stupid hodlers, right? Stefan Levera kept saying, this dollar cost average. Just, you, you know, just keep buying. Just keep buying every day because you don't know. You don't know where the top is. I'm not saying you do, but I mean, that's just stupid to just mindly, mindlessly buy some asset like Bitcoin every single day or every single paycheck. <laughs> just mindlessly doing that. And of course, Swan wants you to do that because they don't want you to think about it they want you to set up your paycheck where it is automatic, you know, it automatically diverts to them uh, and they can buy you Bitcoin. And you really have no say if you set it up on auto, autopilot because you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. You, uh, you have no idea your markups unless you're actually looking. But if you set this thing up to automatically buy, you're saying, hey, just one, you could, you could mark me up to some unknown price this week, right? And I wouldn't even know about it because it's just like I'm not gonna check my account. Maybe you do, maybe you're you're really into that. But I feel like if you're really checking all your all your all your accounts and stuff and seeing what price you bought it at, uh you'd be um you'd be wanting to know, well, how much is, is Swan getting? What's their markup? Are they being transparent about that? Uh, But if you're just putting on autopilot, it's almost like a Netflix subscription. Like, you don't really check that. I mean, they tell you when their price is going up. But, you know, buying Bitcoin is not some Netflix subscription, right? And it's not even an investment. But they want you to think it is. They're using all of the language that, you know, investment brokers might use, right? But they're not. They're not registered as brokers, right? And why not? Why doesn't Swan have a fiduciary duty to get you the best price? Why doesn't Swan have a fiduciary duty not to sell you Bitcoin that they've been huddling? Right? Not to sell it to you at a huge markup. Why aren't there more rules and regulations around this product? Um, I don't know. You know, is it because they haven't been challenged in court yet to, to refer to themselves as a security? In my opinion, somebody could sue these Bitcoiners or the brokers or these pumpers, and say it's a security, and let's let the court decide like let's let a judge decide let's let um let's let people decide okay i've got a I've got a caller here.
1: Hello, hello, are you there? I'm here. Howdy. Yeah, I just hopped on and about 10 minutes ago. I've been listening to your show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're really pretty much wrong about almost everything you've said so far. Um, oh,
0: okay, well, you can you can give me some good
1: arguments. Sure. Well, you, well just, just now you're saying that uh, they're marking up the Bitcoin. I don't know where you heard this or where you got that from. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, Are you talking about the fees like a Coinbase or what?
0: I'm talking about Swan specifically, who says that they, you know, they'll buy you Bitcoin on a dollar cost average basis. So there's got to be some price that they buy the Bitcoin at and then that they then um, give it to you at. So I'm talking about there's there's probably a native spread in there. And I don't know if they're transparent
1: about that or not. Right. Yeah. Well, most most exchanges just charge a set fee. Like Coinbase has, I think, if you buy a hundred bucks, it's like two bucks. So that's how they're making their money, just off fees.
0: Yeah, I get that. But what I'm saying is, with the, if you dollar-cost average, if you're buying Bitcoin every day through like a program like a swan, those fees will add up, right?
1: Right. Also, I've never heard of dollar-cost averaging on a daily basis. That seems a little excessive. Are people doing that?
0: I don't know. I mean, that, I, mean, I don't actually don't know the frequency of it. But I do know that they have these automatic deposits where they'll take part of your paycheck and divert it to, you know, like a Swan or some other Bitcoin broker. So they're at least buying every two weeks.
1: Yeah, you can usually what I do is I am a dollar cost average and I usually just every week I'll go on and see what price is at and then I'll either buy a little more or a little less depending on what the what the price of Bitcoin is at the moment. So I I guess I just over time it's been a proven I mean, with stocks and other ways, it's actually been a proven technique.
0: Well, but comparing Bitcoin to a stock, I don't think you can do necessarily. I I just, I don't like the marketing around it. You just said it it. was
1: a security. You just said it was a security, which I disagree with. Bitcoin? Yeah, you just claimed it was a security, which it isn't. It already has been stated that it's not.
0: No, I mean, no, one person saying it's not does not make it not a security.
1: Shitcoins are securities.
0: Why, why do you think shitcoins are securities but Bitcoin's not?
1: Because shitcoins have founders and they have ability to inflate the coins, whereas Bitcoin does not have that ability and it has no founder other than the mysterious Mr. Nakamoto. So I don't know how you could say it's a security when it, well, when it has that's any, not the no founding group in it. No, it and it's a, it has a finite amount.
0: That's, that's not the definition of securities, is not having a finite amount. That's not part of the definition.
1: Right, but I'm saying what what makes Bitcoin a security compared to other other uh, crypto assets? It's it's not. It's already well, been stated that it's not by the SEC.
0: Uh, well, the SEC doesn't get to determine that. Congress basically writes the laws, and the courts interpret the laws.
1: Right, and they've determined that Bitcoin is is property. It's digital property.
0: Well, but it can be a security and also property. I don't think so. Well, but if you have Apple stock, that's a security. But I would say that's also your property, is part ownership of a company.
1: Right. I understand what you're saying, but I think you're equivocating a little bit here because Bitcoin basically... It's digital property is essentially what it is. because you said, it can be just magically created, but that's also not true because it, it has to be at, uh, ran through an algorithm with proof of work. So it's, it's energy is required to create a Bitcoin. So it's but digital energy, digital property.
0: You concede that like in the very early days of Bitcoin, not much energy was required to create Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, that's true
0: so it's not necessarily required or very it could be just very small amounts could create some bitcoin
1: no that's not true at this point you don't understand how how the algorithm works it progressively gets more difficult to solve the hash function to create a block of bitcoin that's why it takes more and more energy to create bitcoin because it runs off proof of work you can't magically see all of a sudden hey we're gonna fork it and we're gonna do uh you know, proof of stake, and it's going to be all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. That's not how it works.
0: You'd have to a, yeah, I realize that. have to get that. a consensus. So the way I look at it is that um, the mining of Bitcoin, the proof of work, was artificially tied to the algorithm of Bitcoin. I mean, like, so humans put those two things together um, for the protocol. And that's fine, but... I just don't think it's it's not native to this planet <laughs> that bitcoin requires all this energy and computer work because humans are the ones that put those two things together. And so I call it artificial. Like so I still think that bitcoin's created out of thin air because the protocol creates it and then the distribution of it is decided by who wins the proof of work mining, you know, a lottery whatever <laughs> puzzle
1: right well that and we're at 19 million bitcoin out of 21 million so that's why it's also difficult because we're at the tail end of the of the havings.
0: well i don't think that's necessarily why it's difficult i think the difficulty looks at you know well how many people are, are mining bitcoin at one time what does the competition look like and it it tries to tie it to 10 minutes a block. And so there's more people coming in and trying to mine Bitcoin and a block is being created less than 10 minutes in time. The difficulty will increase to try to keep it at the same, you know, time interval per block. Correct. Yeah. So, um, I tend to view security as, so I, I believe you could create a cryptocurrency, and it wouldn't become a security until you offered it for sale, like so. You offered it for either dollars or Ethereum or Ether or another crypto. And it also depends on the promises that you make to the people you're selling it to. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's basically what I think a security is, as far as you know, relating right, yeah, to cryptocurrency.
1: There's a group of people who are in charge of the security.
0: Well, technically, I believe if you have a
1: proof of work. When you create a crypto, you are creating the coins. That's why a lot of these pump and dump schemes are with. See, a lot of everything you've been saying that I've been listening to, I agree with on the side of the shit coins. Whereas I think when you're Hmm. you're, you're conflating shit coins and Bitcoin, you're trying to create the same issues with Bitcoin when they just simply aren't there.
0: I actually had an epiphany today. I said I I did say I agree with a lot of the bitcoiners except for the part about Bitcoin, <laughs> but I do agree that most cryptos are scams. So I'm not like a shitcoin proponent here, but um, but I don't see how Bitcoin is the only passable one, or you know how Bitcoin was in the beginning. Bitcoin was created by Satoshi, and it didn't even trade on an exchange until. You know, a couple of years later or a few years later. Um, and so it took a while for, the, for there even to be technically a sale of this Bitcoin. But I think if you have a proof of work a way of creating a cryptocurrency, I think it's a very genius way to introduce a, introduce a crypto like Bitcoin did. But if you want to still call Bitcoin a security, I would look at, well, who are the miners? and are they offering up this thing that they've mined for sale and what are they what kind of promises are they making to the people who who buy it and bitcoin is a particular interesting case because the mining has to keep going right in, in perpetuity like it has to go on for 24/7 forever because the bitcoin that was mined a year ago still requires the bitcoin miners to be mining today so in a way if you sell a Bitcoin to someone for real money, I think that's when the SEC cares. I think if you sell a cryptocurrency for someone to someone and in what statements you make about that, that's what the SEC is looking at.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, the thing is, so you say in perpetuity. I mean, it, it won't be in perpetuity. It's going. The mining is going to slow down very soon. Well you're years. you're
0: talking about the mining rewards slowing down, but the mining itself has to keep going. Because the mining is what everyone refers to when they see like, okay, I own this much Bitcoin at this address, you have to constantly refer to the ledger for, for right, to, right. to see if your Bitcoin exists to even move the Bitcoin. The ledger has to bundle all these sorry, the miners have to bundle all these transactions and make a new block. So the mining has to keep
1: going forever. Right. Yeah, that's true, and it also will get it'll get so onerous that it'll actually slow down to the point where the mining will kind of just stop at some point. Because well, no, it can't bit-
0: stop. It can't stop.
1: Right. I get I, when you when we're saying mining, you're saying running the gas fees to to run the ledger to make transactions is what you're talking. No,
0: about, I'm not talking right? about fees. I'm talking about new blocks being produced every ten minutes. That's the mining process. So fees are a way to pay the mining miners uh, to get your transaction included because the miners technically don't have to include your transaction if they don't want to. So that's why you have a fee on there so that hopefully they put it in the block. Um,
1: right. But
0: they mainly right now are mining because of the, the new issuance of Bitcoin reward. But that gets halved, halved every four years, of course.
1: Right. So when we hit 21 million Bitcoin, and the mining essentially ceases, why would that then cause Bitcoin? No, no, the mining doesn't here?
0: cease. Sorry, the mining won't cease, even when we hit the 21 million.
1: Right, then why is why is it required to then continue to mine at that level? Wouldn't it just, wouldn't it kind of tone it down? It would, there would be way less energy expended then at that point.
0: Oh, you're talking about it'll still be mined, but there'll be less less people mining, perhaps, or lower difficulty?
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Well, a lot of people tie the security of Bitcoin to the the mining hash rate, which is, you know, the number of hashes that they're guessing every whatever second or, you know, that's been thrown at the Bitcoin protocol. Um, And they, you know, um, the security of being able to rewind these blocks that have been previously, you know, in the chain, published in the chain, would require um, just more energy to unwind them, right? Because Bitcoin's protocol is not about truth necessarily, it's about the, the longest chain, with the most blocks with the longest proof of work, which is basically the longest chain with the most blocks is, is what they consider truth. So, some, so someone could in theory, this is what they call the 51% attack and stuff like this, is where they use a bunch of resources uh, to change previous blocks to double-spin. Now, if each block, if the difficulty goes down enough, uh, then in theory, you can throw less you know, resources at an attack. And this is why the Bitcoiners tend to say, well, all these other forks of Bitcoin are, you know, don't have as much hash rate, and they're vulnerable to attacks.
1: Right. And, and at this point, it's, the 51% is so secure that it's almost impossible for the, the protocol to be changed at this point.
0: Well, it's not about changing the protocol; it's about somebody getting away with, um, with with um, basically breaking the rule to enrich themselves. Like so, double spending—that's that's what they're after with the you know high hash rate. The protocol rules is something entirely different that's changed by consensus that doesn't even look or doesn't even care about you know proof of work hash rate.
1: Yeah. And getting back – well, getting back to the security versus property, I mean, I feel like that, that conversation had been settled a while ago. There's pretty much no one who would argue that Bitcoin is a security at this point. I don't see how you can. Um,
0: well, there's a, there's a lot of people that would argue that.
1: I, I just don't so, – I don't understand.
0: So, uh, like, the SEC regulatory body – Um is in charge of enforcement, but they technically don't like make the rules. They they look at the SEC uh, Act of 1934 and 1940 and they try to apply these rules. Um, now, they they, I don't think that they understand cryptocurrency that well, you know, and I think they're very busy, right? They have to look at anything that's a security. We're talking about the huge stock market, right? Any, any stock as a security, bonds. I mean, they have this whole whole field that they have to <laughs> look at, right? So they, um, and think of it like, I think of it as a policeman. We don't really think of a policeman as someone who can stop crime. We usually think of them as people who come after the fact, right, investigate. So in my opinion, these, this, if you look at history, like the SEC um, passed these, you know, these securities acts right after the, well, maybe not right. Yeah, right after the, the blow up in 1929 of the stock market. So they were worried about fraud and they thought that, hey, if we get people to at least register with us, tell us what they're selling and why, uh, we'll try to cut down. We'll try to front run all the fraud that's pervasive in the securities market. Um. So, uh, so they, but they can't. They they have a hard time, you know, preventing this fraud from happening. And they really care. They really care about fraud. They don't really care about classifying something. I mean, that's their job. That's what they do. They they should be classifying stuff. But they what they really are concerned about is the public, right? Is trying to prevent as much fraud as possible. But that's just my opinion
1: right I let's set aside the SEC for a second I mean the IRS has declared um, under US tax law that Bitcoin is property so I mean that's also extremely important what the IRS decides something is is uh, it affects it drastically well, at so this point <laughs> under US tax law Bitcoin is property it's not considered um, uh, security basically for the very reason I stated earlier which is there there are no there isn't a, a group that controls Bitcoin. Like, the, you could say the miners do, but it's under consensus. So there isn't, like, there? there isn't a vitalic buterin of Bitcoin. And I think that's an important distinction that you're kind of ignoring.
0: Well, that's debatable. There was Satoshi, right? And he never showed his face. Um, but there's Well, a where lot are they? Not debatable if it's a fact. There's a lot of, like, so there's the core devs, right? They control Bitcoin, or they, yeah. they have a lot of influence on Bitcoin.
1: You know, the original million Bitcoin that were mined by Satoshi are still in the... Still on the ledger, they haven't been moved.
0: Yeah, I know that, but but we since we don't know who he is, right? We, so people say that they, they think this is Satoshi's, but how do you know that he didn't mine after that?
1: Well, we don't know who he is, so I guess you couldn't say that.
0: Yeah, but, but, but how but is that relevant? It, yeah, but the other the Bitcoiners don't know who he is either, so they're, they're this idea that, that Satoshi was charitable or that he had no self interest. Like, I've seen this stuff on Twitter. These arguments made and there's just a bunch of baloney. I mean, there's not no evidence. Well, or he to, could
1: be dead. We don't know. Yeah, that. he
0: probably is dead. So people speculate he's he's Hal Finney, but and he's yeah. dead.
1: <laughs> so, but I mean, that that to me is a, a huge distinction that separates Bitcoin from other uh, crypto.
0: So, if somebody wanted to create a cryptocurrency that wouldn't be as you know security in your eyes, they would basically have to do it anonymously, anonymously, yeah, um, and just disappear. And get other people involved. And it would need to be proof of work as well. Okay, proof of work. Um, Anything else that would make it a security?
1: No, this is what would not make it a security. This is what would make We're emulating Bitcoin, right? But what about
0: people saying it's going to go to a million? You know, would that be a problem or is that okay?
1: What do you mean people saying it's going to be? You oh, mean, oh, you're Bitcoiners. talking about speculating on the price of Bitcoin? Well, I'm
0: talking about Bitcoiners who go on CNBC daily and talk about how we're going to see a million dollar Bitcoin in five years or however long it's going to take.
1: Well, I mean, there's always people like that. I mean, there's, What? I don't get What's the? What's your point?
0: The point is that, is it fraud to tell someone that something's going to go up with a lot of conviction? Right, just you know, just like a pumper, marketer, marketing team that is, is like selling the shitcoin coin and saying it's going to go to a million dollars coin, you know, in five years.
1: It's not, you know, because uh, again, these people you're talking about, Mike Pompidano or Michael Saylor or whoever, like, yeah, all Even these guys, Stephen
0: Lavera, you know, Corey yeah, all McKinney. these
1: Bitcoin, Bitcoin, uh, evangelists,
0: they don't, they,
1: there's a big difference between them doing it. And the actual owner of, say, or Vitalik Buterin doing it on Ethereum. That, that's fraudulent but, but because they actually control the, the coin. If you're just an evangelist for Bitcoin and you don't really have anything to do with it other than you own a lot, then I don't think that's, that's, not, that's completely different. I don't think that's fraudulent at all.
0: Well, if you look at Bitcoin, it looks like a corporation like to me. How? Because, because, because you're in a common industry. Right You're working together towards a specific goal, which is Bitcoin price go up. Everyone in bitcoin has this has this goal of promoting it, marketing it, and trying to get more people on board to buy Bitcoin so the price goes up that, That's like a common goal, right?
1: Sure So,
0: so uh, you're working yeah. a common enterprise together, you're acting like um a corporation
1: well. I mean, that's stretching the definition of a corporation pretty far. You could say anything to the corporation. If yeah, that's but all I
0: think it's a new type of corporation. So there was this excellent article. I forgot who the name of the guy who wrote it. Um, but he called it like a new type of equity. It's a new, it's a new form of, of a security offering. Um, it's a decentralized form, but it's still, it's very much like equity than anything else. It's more like an equity, I think, than like a commodity, because this thing is created by humans with you know, this goal of price appreciation or profits for everyone who has like a share of it. Um, and it relies on humans for its very existence. Like Bitcoin relies on the mining to go on forever. And if the miners stop mining, Bitcoin ceases to exist versus a real commodity. If I have gold or wheat, I don't care about other people who are mining this commodity uh, for my own gold or wheat to still exist, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, I just think so, uh, that with with the lack of a board of directors, a lack of a, you know, there's not a stated, it's not a publicly traded. I mean, there's Bitcoin ETFs. It is publicly like traded, though. It's not, though. It's not. Bit, you, can buy, you can go buy stock in MicroStrategy. Anyone can go buy
0: Coinbase and, can, and buy there's pro, Bitcoin.
1: There's proxies for Bitcoin, sure. Coinbase, MicroStrategy, all yeah, these things. Yeah, can go there and buy Bitcoin. That's not Bitcoin, be, though. That, those are securities that are tied to Bitcoin. That's completely different.
0: No, no. Bitcoin on Coinbase is not a security. Right? They're selling you the Bitcoin. Spot Bitcoin.
1: Right,
0: right. Can go to Coinbase or. I'm saying
1: investing in Coinbase as a company would would consider. Oh well, that yeah.
0: I'm not. Yeah, that's a security. Right. But what I'm saying is, all these cryptos they act like they act like their own little company. Yes, they're very different, right? But they act like a corporation.
1: Yeah, we, well, there's one small problem. A corporation re- requires actual human beings that are running it, which Bitcoin has none.
0: Well, I just told you that if if the Bitcoin miners stop mining, Bitcoin goes bye bye.
1: Right. <laughs> when, when? Why would that happen?
0: Because you need miners to keep updating the ledger for the ledger to be relevant. And for no, no, people
1: I get, to make. I get that. That. I get that. I'm not even. I'm not sure if you're even right about that. But I, I, I. I'm right I, about that. <laughs> I what, just
0: what? tell you, I'm right about that. Once, um, you can go once look it point, up, but
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I think you're really stretching. Well, into a let me let me give you this.
0: To... Let me give you this thought experiment. Um, how will people make transactions in Bitcoin if all mining stops?
1: Transactions are creating new Bitcoin. Well, they'll transactions. stop
0: when... transactions in Bitcoin. How do you? I don't see.
1: Bitcoin? I don't see why I can't send somebody Bitcoin for a tiny gas fee. Across uh, to another country when Bitcoin mining ends, I don't see. I don't see. Well, how that, how that not so
0: the only way that could, in theory, happen is if you're you're both on Coinbase, like it's a centralized entity. You both have your Bitcoin there, and you're sending. You know, you have an account, and you're going to send your Bitcoin to another Coinbase user that has an account where they don't need the blockchain necessarily because Coinbase already has the Bitcoin. But I would argue that the blockchain still matters even in that case. Because no one will value Bitcoin if the blockchain, like if there's no more blocks added to the blockchain.
1: Well, part of the reason that Bitcoin has issues right now is it's so volatile. It's kind of worthless as a currency. So by the time that all the Bitcoin are mined, the volatility should sort of kind of wind down to the point where.
0: That's not why, the it'll, vol- why we have volatility.
1: It'll make, it'll make more sense once the Bitcoins are mined to to then have the miners. They'll just make money off transaction fees, essentially. Yeah, they but won't they'll be. They'll
0: be mining. They still have to mine,
1: right? But there won't. There are no more coins to mine. I'm talking about in the event. And when but, they hit 20,
0: so 20 you're you're missing a crucial part of the design of Bitcoin. The transactions that are made, where you send your Bitcoin to someone else, those are bundled up. And included right, that will still the happen. The block.
1: No, I know that, that. That's why you pay. Let you pay less when you buy more Bitcoin, or you buy you buy a tiny amount of Bitcoin. The fees. No, the, that
0: the, matter. The, the fees are basically the same.
1: No the fees are higher when you when you purchase less bitcoin because it's less of an incentive to move the bitcoin onto the ledger. I understand what you're saying, but you don't understand how the how the blockchain works. So that I do my, understand
0: the my blockchain point
1: works. is my point is when when bitcoin's maxed out and the and it's and it's at 21 million, the volatility will end and the miners why? will just they'll continue mining quote unquote, but it'll just be creating new blocks with new transactions. That's but what why
0: volatility will end whenever the 21 million are mined
1: because the speculation will cease because now right? basically mm-hmm. all the bitcoin that have mined will be mined and that'll be it if you own it you own it if you don't then that's then too bad
0: so you do you think that the only bitcoin that matter are the new issuance of bitcoin that come into the to the market based off of the bitcoin rewards
1: yeah, I just think based on the age of Bitcoin, it's only 10 years old. I think Bitcoin's at now where the internet But what went.
0: about all the rest of the Bitcoins out there, right, that that people buy and sell based off of a whim?
1: Well, they That's ain't selling them. They're just holding them. They if are if selling look them at right on, now. If you, look at at the on- at, if you look at on-chain analytics, most most people buying Bitcoin who own 0.1 or 0.2, talking about, like, average people, they're not selling their Bitcoins.
0: How do you know that? You're just looking at the chain. Like
1: you can, You're assuming
0: that everyone is just... What hodling their Bitcoin in small amounts?
1: A lot of people are, yeah. And you can find that out. But that's what makes the the the, the ledger so nice is because through on chain analytics, you can pretty much look at anything you want.
0: Well, what happens internally at Coinbase where they don't, you know, they can move Bitcoin around and stuff, and you know, the buying and selling on Coinbase is internal, right? They have internal databases. They don't care about the blockchain. They just, how can you tell who's buying and who's selling based off of that?
1: What do you what do you mean it's internal to Coinbase?
0: So Coinbase has an exchange, right? You go you when you buy Bitcoin um, and you sell it to somebody else on their exchange, uh, they're not pushing that to the blockchain They're, you know, because it's just an internal ledger. They're updating like who, who sold to who, right? You're, you all have accounts there and you're all buying and selling on Coinbase. They're not touching the blockchain.
1: That's wrong. That's not correct. You you're saying that Bitcoin or Coinbase and FTX, these companies, they just have a like a mountain of Bitcoin that they're doling out. That's not how it works.
0: No, no, I'm saying when it's a marketplace. I'm saying that when two users come to Coinbase and they're buying and selling between each other, the Coinbase doesn't need to move Bitcoin on the blockchain, right? They just update an internal ledger that they have.
1: Sure. That that might be how it works. I'm not sure.
0: Well, they're definitely not using the blockchain. For that now they do use the blockchain right when you make when it I move when
1: I move my coins from coinbase on exchange to my wallet, it's moving it's using the blockchain it's yeah, you yeah, can yeah. go track it yes, on there
0: yes I'm ta- I was only referring to internal you know buying and selling orders, but yes, like, they do use the blockchain when you take a withdrawal or when you move your bitcoin there, yes, they do use the blockchain for that. Well oh, your point is that coinbase
1: perfectly. will cease to make money once the once the uh, Bitcoin have been all mined
0: I didn't say that. You, you were talking about volatility, not whether Coinbase was going to be profitable or not.
1: <laughs> right, and and we could disagree on whether or not volatility will end when the Bitcoin are all mined. I mean, I think it will. You think it won't? But I don't know how we could really prove that either way.
0: Well, I mean, what is the vol- Why why do we have volatility today?
1: Volatility is going on in Bitcoin. A because it hasn't all been mined, so there's still speculation on the future Bitcoins. Then B, it's just it's a it's a new asset. It's a new property. It's not people don't understand it yet. So that's why it's so volatile.
0: I think both those reasons. Also,
1: are- it's being confused as a as a tech stock. People just think of Bitcoin as a tech stock. So it's the the people worse who think it's a tech
0: stock because it has no 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 possibility of ever spinning off cash flows. Like cuz like you said Bitcoin's not a corporation, right? And the, the people who sell you Bitcoin owe you nothing.
1: Well, I guess to sum up my point is the people who are setting the price of Bitcoin do not understand how Bitcoin really works.
0: Who's setting the price of Bitcoin? I didn't know that there was this
1: person setting the price. It's. I'm saying the people who are setting the price through buying Bitcoin are not the people who understand it. they are people speculating on Bitcoin, taking profits. But the vast majority of Bitcoin held by normal people, they're just buying and holding it. So the volatility is coming from the speculators and from Wall Street. And from, honestly, the lack of regulation. I'm... I'm not a bitcoiner who is against regulation. I'm pro regulation. I think we need to regulate we don't need, we can't be having these tethers and these lunas and these and these essentially like ponzi schemes running in the crypto industry because it's tainting bitcoin and it's making all crypto kind of seem scammy and when it, in fact that's not actually the case. So I'd invite more regulation.
0: But so this what this looks like to me is someone running to the government to enforce a monopoly over the ability to create a cryptocurrency. And so you you want there to just be one cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and you want to other no. all the rest of them?
1: No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the crypto industry needs to be highly regulated.
0: So just like the SEC you
1: know, regulates stocks. like
0: Bitcoin is a Ponzi, just like so just how you think that all the other cryptos are Ponzis, well, you need to be very careful and be able to distinguish Bitcoin is different from all the other cryptos, because all the other cryptos are going to be ganging up on Bitcoin if, if the Bitcoiners are going to go to government saying that everything else is a security except Bitcoin, everything else is a scam except Bitcoin. And Bitcoin looks more like these other cryptos than it doesn't. So that's going to backfire on these Bitcoiners for sure. Yeah,
1: I disagree with that completely. I don't think that you can – The people are already saying that. That, yeah, the, 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 that's the whole conversation between the shitcoiners and the Bitcoiners. I mean, there, there is a fundamentally massive difference between Bitcoin and, say, I don't know, Dogecoin or something. It's not... It's not, not really. A, and there's a first mover advantage, too. with Bitcoin that the that doesn't
0: best? mean that you should have a monopoly.
1: <laughs> I'm not arguing for a monopoly. I don't know where you got that from, right?
0: Well, from you want there to be only Bitcoin, right?
1: No, I believe that Bitcoin is probably... Yeah, it, it uh, every other crypto, other than Bitcoin, at the moment is pretty much, in my opinion, not worth investing in.
0: Oh, okay, but you could concede the idea of another Bitcoin coming along that wouldn't be a security.
1: Yeah, any any crypto from here on out is basically a security.
0: Oh, you do think that? Okay, so you're not going to give any room for anyone else to try to create something like Bitcoin? I don't think that's possible.
1: Security. I don't. It's not well, like a choice thing. I don't think it. I don't think it's possible at this Well, point.
0: how is it possible for Bitcoin? Is this like the immaculate? Because
1: Bitcoin was first, and being first matters.
0: But no, that that's not good enough. Being first doesn't mean that everything else is a security and Bitcoin's not.
1: That's not my. That wasn't my argument for why Bitcoin is property. Bitcoin is property because it has no founders, no ability to be manipulated. It did it's have just-
0: founder. Do you deny that Satoshi founded Bitcoin?
1: Well, sure, but he's 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 not around. He probably is dead. He doesn't. He's he's gone. So there's, and and the I coins you mined are still crypto, on the ledger.
0: Someone, someone can create a new crypto, and then they can just disappear, and then, there you go.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't see your point here because I my my point is Bitcoin was first. It has no no central leadership. I mean, you can't just. Well, magically you there that.
0: because there's people that control the code and decide who gets to.
1: People don't control the the miners control the code, like you said, fifty one percent. That's not there is not a cabal of people controlling Bitcoin.
0: There are people, there are the core devs. You know that they actually meet in secret.
1: Sure, you are not invited sure to
0: those meetings, right? So there is people that meet secretly uh, that control basically have very big influence. Let's not say control, but let's say they have a lot of influence on where Bitcoin goes, the direction it takes, what gets in, what what bit gets added right to the code base. Sure. And Jack Dorsey, big name. He's got an outsized influence on Bitcoin. I'd say uh, Sailor, right? He's got a big influence on Bitcoin. He owns a lot of Bitcoin now. Barry uh, Barry Silbert, right, of GBTC and of DCG. He owns a lot of Bitcoin companies. He owns, you know, Grayscale. You, He's got a you lot. List
1: of- people who own a lot of Bitcoin, but that doesn't that doesn't negate my argument. There isn't. You're not. It's not literally the person creating the coin. Purchasing of their own coin and pumping it up and then selling their coins. That's that's the definition of a Ponzi scheme. And that's what's going on on all the other cryptos.
0: Wait, say say that again, that line. That was pretty good. So you're the other crypto people are um, giving themselves the crypto, right? And then pumping it up with marketing and right. then selling it. Well, you don't have to and be a founder. Regular though. people
1: with the bag. That's what but I here's
0: thinking. my problem, though, with Bitcoin is like maybe the founder didn't do that of Bitcoin's Toshi. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt just for this one argument. But a lot of early people to Bitcoin did do that. So there's a lot of people that got into Bitcoin early when Bitcoin was like a dollar and then they started marketing it, buying a lot. And then they dumped it right when it was like 60K or whatever along the way. They've gotten really rich off of Bitcoin. So I have a problem. with that.
1: Why do you have a problem with that?
0: Because um, I have a problem with that because they pumped it up, right? They, they marketed it. And in doing so, I think they committed fraud. And, and, um, and they sold, right? They sold, they gained. And I think that the problem I have with all these cryptocurrencies comes down to it's not a productive activity. And so the wealth that you get if you win in crypto, if you make a profit... Is basically you're just a transfer of wealth scheme where you've convinced a lot of people to come in after you at a higher price and I don't see this wealth as legitimate I see it as unearned because it was based on something that's not not sustainable and also the fraud that was committed in trying to get people to buy it right I think it's they're being they're being conned into buying it thinking it's money or it's gonna go to five million um, I think is a con. And so I don't like the fraud around this stuff.
1: Well, because you don't think it has value doesn't mean it's fraudulent. Also, I'd like you to tell someone from Ukraine walking across the border with the keys in their head. And they have no money. They've lost everything. And they can go into another country and they can redeem their Bitcoin. To me, that's valuable. You Go go to Venezuela. Ask somebody who got into Bitcoin whether it has value. That's not
0: a, that's I mean,
1: not I, don't, I don't see well, You can just assert that it's worthless because it's not gold and doesn't have like industrial value. But when you actually do research and understand it, you start to realize that it it does have value. It's digital property and it's, and it's saved a lot of people from, I mean, we're, we're sitting here and I'm assuming you're in the United States, Like, it's really easy. We're in the world reserve currency. It's kind of cushy, but you know, you go to somewhere else, Bitcoin starts to look real nice. A lot of people in Nigeria own Bitcoin, Africa own Bitcoin. It's, it's useful. I do. Useful to people. I
0: think it doesn't have any uses. I'm saying that um, I, I view Bitcoin as a tool as well, uh, but I think that the narrative around the get quick, you know, get rich quick scheme, and that Bitcoin is this scarce thing that can't be replicated in its utility function, is a flat-out lie and a uh, fraud is basically a deception where it's it's basically a theft. So right. I don't really like to call Bitcoin itself a fraud. I like to call people who pump it and who gain right by it, deception and a lie uh i call i call that a fraud but
1: okay well fair enough i guess well we'll just have to wait a long time to see if you're right so
0: yeah and bitcoin it's not it's, clear now not,
1: that's for sure a
0: crash i'm saying like it could pump many many times from here uh, and it probably will because they've been able to con so many people into hodling so i'd be surprised like i'm not calling the end of bitcoin but I do tend to think that Bitcoin will correlate to cheap money, you know, the Fed's ability to print. And if they're not able to print, I think that all crypto assets are going to have a very hard time continuing their appreciation.
1: Well, I agree with that 100%. A lot of the reasons <laughs> that these fraudulent crypto Ponzi's have blown up was because the Fed had the money spigot on so strong. So. Well, I,
0: I I agree with that, but I'd also, I'd also say that's why Bitcoin blew up.
1: But I I agree with that too. That part of, that Bitcoin at sixty nine k a year or over a year ago when when Biden was doing the second and third and fourth or however many stimmies that he dropped, yeah, those stimmy checks, people didn't know what to do with them because they didn't need them at the time. So yeah, they speculated, and that that's nothing against Bitcoin. It's just what what happens when you overheat the economy with with uh, cheap money.
0: Well, my problem is is that the bitcoiners they want sound money in theory, but they depend on the cheap money of the Fed to keep inflating their asset. So once the cheap money goes away, Bitcoin deflates, right? So that's not something that they want. Um, but I think that Bitcoin is very much dependent on the dollar and the inflation that, and the idea that Bitcoin can serve as an inflation hedge. I think is very dependent on those ideas.
1: Yeah, so far it's not been the case as an inflation hedge, unfortunately.
0: Well, if you have a long enough time period, that the if you would have bought it ten years ago, it's an inflation hedge. There is, there sure. is this argument, and
1: that would be Michael Sailor's point. I mean, even in twenty twenty, if you're purchasing it, you're still doing pretty well. So, um,
0: Michael Sailor is going to go down with the ship. If he's not, he's going to eventually be forced to sell and probably sued.
1: <laughs> we will see. We yeah. will see. Well, thanks for taking my <laughs> call. I like talking to people who I disagree with more than people who I agree with. So.
0: Well, that's good. it keeps enough in mind i do I do too
1: okay, thank you
0: yeah thanks bye bye Well, that was a good conversation i uh I enjoy being challenged um for sure, and I may not be right. I could be wrong you know and but you know what it always me about the bitcoiners is that they always think they're right you know well not not the guy I was just talking to but You know, a lot of the bitcoiners, they have a lot of confidence, and they really don't concede anything. They don't concede they could be wrong, or anything like that. So I tend to think that people who are hundred percent think they're right tend to like be playing a you know a con game because I've heard that the con word comes from confidence. So if you have a high degree of confidence, it's usually a bad sign like that they're just or you know it, it may not be that they're trying to trying to dishonestly promote the idea but it could just be a sign that they're blind to an argument that they haven't and that's, that's another risk though is that they could just be not open to hearing other ideas and um and if you're not open to hearing the other ideas uh then your, your ideology has, has not been challenged and that could lead you vulnerable to having a blind spot. So I guess I'll end it here. Uh, thank you for calling in.